Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for being here with us. In the end, you know, we did what we felt made the most sense for our team. Um, you know, and David felt comfortable with it. The staff felt comfortable with it. I think the players felt comfortable with it. Um, I think we're respectful of what's happening. We're respectful of the process of it and, and everybody that's involved. So, again, the most important thing is for all of us, um, you know, our coaches and players, myself included, you know, is to focus on the things that we can control. And as we get more information, as we get closer to training camp, then we'll try to make you know, the best decision for the Houston Texans, whatever that entails. You know, I've, I've, I've learned that basically I'm the head coach, but I have to catch myself now. And that's why, again, I got to remember, you're the head coach. And here's the other thing. You hired those guys to coach and teach their way, not my way. We, we all have a way here, and it's the Texan way. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles and we're in that dead spot in the off-season where we're trying to probably come together as a fan base because it's a long old road ahead to the season and then we've got to run the gauntlet of the 17 games ahead of us as well. So we have started this week and delighted by the response in terms of the uh, fan round table and we've got our first three guests who will let them introduce themselves to you. Um, but starting uh, with Renee, um, thanks for joining us, mate. Do you want to give us your turn up for what moment? The moment uh, that I've said coming back from Denver, um, I thought, what, why did I do this to myself? Um, have you had one of those moments? And then maybe just give us a little bit about how you became a fan of this rather dysfunctional team. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Man, there are so many of this, this uh, what the fuck moment uh, in the last two seasons. Um, one moment was when um, we go for the fake punt against the Chiefs. Uh, a few moments before, we decided not to uh, to kick a field goal and fourth and short. And then we go for a fake punt at our own 25. Um, we missed it. I know at this moment uh, we will lose this game. And um, yeah, O'Brien should have been fired in the halftime. So <laughs> instead, he got the chance to win the team. Well, it was a little bit like the beginning of the end. Yeah, no, I definitely, I thought there's been as many, um, as many uh, moments in one game. You know, there's sometimes, I remember talking about at the time and there's moments that decide a game and then there's moments um, that happened maybe three or four a game and there was about four in the space of second quarter. So yeah, understand it. Well, Renee, thank you very much, mate. And, uh, Pete is London, but he's got a bit of a different accent. Renee's coming from Germany and a bit of an international feel to these. But Pete, how you doing? And uh, do you want to give us a bit of background and what's your sort of turn up for what moment if you got one? Yeah, my name's Pete. Um, I think mine was last year when Deshaun was sitting on the sideline after the end of the Colts game. Um, and he had his hand in his head and he was just, I just thought, we're, we're, we're going to waste another talent, aren't we? I had that feeling that we have with, yeah. with JJ and Dre and everyone else. And I just looked at it. That was my big, oh, something's going to give here moment. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I remember that one. It was, uh, yeah, I think last season was tough and it was tough to do this. It was tough to write articles and it was, it was, it, it's challenging at times mentally, I think as well. And it's just, and you'll, you'll always, I think, I don't think they'll ever, it'd, it'd have to be go seriously wrong, I think, for, to not watch the games and do stuff like this because you kind of get you get in the habit of it and it's hard to break it. Um, but 
yeah, I think that that's the big thing. Doing these round tables and then also doing um, going through the season as well. You just don't want it to be repetitive because last year, pretty much from week five onwards, was just like who's the new coach, who's the new GM, and none of it even came remotely close to anything we talked about. So you want to you want to keep it relevant and keep it fresh, but at the same time, it's uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a long old journey, and that was a big reason why I wanted to do these things because I think you got to you've got to expand your um, fandom just built beyond the screen sometimes whether that's a phone or a tv watching the game i think because it's uh it's probably safety in numbers a bit this year but I t- but i tell you what graham's probably going to give us a bit more of a, a a brighter outlook um probably the biggest texans fan i know um but a measured one um coming from the rather a bit more north for me but not so far graham how are you doing it's probably your third appearance now i think is it yeah, I think so. Hi. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, yeah, I think it is about the third time, but uh, yeah, my my turn up for what moments, I, it's hard to like, pull them all, uh, one out of the bag, isn't it, when you look back, but when I think about how we've tackled like playoff games against the Chiefs in the past few years, like even going back to like Hoyer's time, you know, I went into that game pretty confident that we could maybe turn the Chiefs over at NRG and they got happened in that game you know we couldn't even do anything on the goal line and I think that's where we're falling short and that's what irritates me most is these goal line you know goal for points and you know the the, the Sean Watson hand head in his hand thing that come off the back of one of them as well I believe so those kind of moments really test your metal when you're a fan you know when you see other teams punching it in in those drives and you just want us to take that step in the playoffs don't you I think every one of us can agree we just need to make that step we seem to be making steps backward but yeah, just I just want to make that step I think when you when you think of the playoff defeats and I think you've all, you've been we've been on the cusp for, for so many years now, and uh, I think when you think 2017, we're just the defense was all time probably the best defense we've ever had. Arguably, maybe second beat de- de- defense probably had probably decided 2011, 2012, and never the Missouri apart from the offense. Then the year following, you find a quarterback and the defense gets injured, um, and you don't, you know, you don't, you make a bad choice at cornerback. And there's just been a lot of so many sort of small sliding mo- door moments that have led us to this point. But, you know, here we are. And I think it kind of is what it is now. We've kind of got to make the best of it. Um, but talking of the of the best times you've ever had or, or a moment that got you into this, um, <laughs> this sort of habit, I suppose, is the best way for it. But was there ever a moment, Graham, I'll go the other way around, but was there a moment that you had? Um, for me, it was just Dallas 24 O'Brien's first year, uh, being in this, being in the stadium, and Ian Foster's running the ball unbelievably well, um, and the crowd was probably sixty forty Houston, and I just thought, you know, I'm gonna have to keep doing this. You know, it was it was, uh, it was a great feeling, it was a great moment, I think. And then uh, don't get me wrong, it's <laughs> it's seldom got back to those levels of excitement and, and entertainment on a Sunday, but um, but there's there's moments like that that keeps you coming back. Um, so what's your one, Graham? Yeah, like there's there's always moments that keep you keep you hooked. Uh, against the Bills, there at the in the playoffs, you know, and when I was we were in the stands and I, I was sitting behind Deshaun Watson, you know, in the end zone end when I seen the 
the two Bills defenders coming in for the sack. We we could see it before the the offensive line. We could see them coming, and I just heard every like this this huge sigh coming out of the stadium, like oh my god, we've blown it. And then when he bounced off both guys and made the pass, I, honestly, the the energy levels in there were unbelievable. Yeah, like that kind of moments, and and that's just that's like a recent memory. You know, we we've had them over the years, but. Through through the cluster that is now, to see moments like that, um, that's what keeps you wanting to go back. You know, it keeps you totally hooked on this team. Uh, whether or not we'll have that going forward, that's another story. But <laughs> I was going to say you might find it's the you might find it's the sport rather than the team is uh, is this yeah. team. Actually, I've got a, a question that we'll drop in later on about that. But um, Pete, what's when did you first start getting in this team, and uh, what was the kind of moments that? that kept you coming back for more punishment? So I, I started watching the NFL in like 99 or 2000. Um, and I started watching like Vikings and Chargers games. Uh, I decided to be a Texans fan. There, it was a conscious decision for me that they were a new franchise. I was new to the sport and I was like, new team, need new fans. That's my team. Um, so I made that. That was like a conscious commitment. There wasn't anything that kind of triggered that. I think the best moment was Wembley a couple of years back. Um, I bought my tickets. I was like maybe eight rows back right behind the Texans. I bought them from season Jags holders. Um, and just being able to dance drunk down the aisle while we were giving the Jags a nice little tap in at Wembley, that was a that was a good feeling. Yeah, and Renee, what's your one, mate? You, you were in London as well, I remember from the messages. I think, yeah, I remember that. That was a good weekend, that, in so many ways. Got the train down. It was reasonably difficult to meet people because London just is one of those places. But um, was it was that yours or what's what's... What's your kind of, what's your story on that one? Yeah, of course. Um, I've been a Texans fan since 2013. Right. And um, there are many moments where you uh, get a feeling for this team. Um, London, of course, was, uh, Wembley is this um, moment for me because it was the first time I could see this team live. Um, I didn't have a chance to go... Uh, Bonto Pond and see it in, in the USA. Maybe I will do it in the future years. I hope so. Another moment uh, I remember was the first touchdown pass of Watson against the Patriots game in yeah. his Mookie uh, season. Because this was the moment when I think, okay, we got someone special here. We don't have... Uh, <sighs> Some of his guys we had the years before at quarterback, this is a special one. Yeah. Makes me sad at the moment to know he maybe won't play any, any more game for us. But this was a really, really great moment for me. Yeah, was that that was the one to was Bruce that, Ellington. Bruce Ellington, yeah, that was it. Yeah, he, that's right. He yeah. um yeah. he he put the safety to the left with his eyes and went for the dart in the middle is was such a nice ball. We we didn't see such a touchdown pass uh, years since since match up we couldn't see something like that. Yeah, I remember when the the just I think it was I think they might have to settle for a field goal at halftime, or they were or they were driving late, and I always remember he missed Stephen Anderson in the end zone, and he should have caught him, and he they probably would have won that game. I think Stephen Anderson's on the Chargers still, but now um, in the league he was quite a good move tight end in that year, but. 
yeah, I remember he missed them in that game and it was just like you, you could see everything was coming together so quickly. Um, but there was so much more to go as well and that was kind of what was oddly exciting about it. But yeah, it, is, it does. It's a, it's, a, it's a constant gut wrench, I think, isn't it, to think about, you know, he might not play again. Guys, could you remember the moment when Osweiler got benched against the Jack yeah, in energy yeah. and the whole stadium got nuts? <laughs> That was a crazy moment too, well. And look at this, Osweiler is benched. Tom Savage is coming into the game. And the fans here in Houston go nuts. Wow. That is a statement. Right Not really talked about him a huge amount this off season, Pete. What do you, what do you make of the hire in general, and what's your expectations for caretaker Cully, as I call him? Um, I think that what we're noticing. And I'm going to go into Casario a little bit here, but Casario doesn't bet on anything. He bets on multiple things, and I think that that's what the Cully hire is. If it works out with Deshaun Watson and he can get people on board and he can have the right coordinators, then. It could potentially work, but if not, he can cut bait and run. And I think you're seeing that as well in his roster construction. So he's got a roster of players that can that, that can start, you know, not high-level starters, but that's what I think the hire is. That's what I think the Cully hire is. It is hedging his bets. Um, I'm glad he's got a shot. Seems like a nice guy. I don't think he's going to change the world. I don't think he's going to move the needle. You know, I'd like him to do well, but wasn't my guy. I wanted Matt Eberfuss. And, you know, and I think that there's definitely a line of thought out there that, you know, in two years' time, if Eberflus hasn't got a job, he was pretty high on the list um, for Casario. And obviously, I think he, it wasn't a huge amount said, but he obviously removed himself from the, the job. Casario got him back in to re-interview. And I think he then said, appreciate the interest, but, we'll, we'll, you know, now's not the right time for either of us. So, yeah, you might, you know, you might get that wish at, at some point. That's why I think the lovey, lovey was hired. To start to inst to to recruit the that type of player that Eberflus would want to start to get ready to move to that kind of Tampa two cover two scheme. Yeah, I think you've you've probably made a good great point there, uh, Pete. I think there's a there's a, there's definitely a there's definitely a a sense of temporary um, that nothing in this coaching staff or roster is nailed down. Um, and in terms of the the comments, I think Graham he made some comments through the week and. You know, he says I'm the head coach. Basically, he basically, you know, he, he outlined and the the pictures of the practice field at OTAs. So Casario out there, and he basically said, "Look, I'm just here to oversee this. I'm letting my coaches coach." Very different to what we've had in the past, Graham. Yeah, um, I think I think he's like the safe bet. I think he's just a safe guy. He's been in the league for years. He's got a lot of connections. He knows a lot of people. Um, ticks a few boxes um, and to say like he's the head coach yeah that's fine he's maybe not the micromanager we're used to around NRG he, he maybe will let his coaches coach and you know I, I wasn't too hated on him like I know a lot of people didn't like him didn't want him and all that but you know I, I'm waiting to see the product he actually puts on the field you know I know our roster's not like a starline roster, but you know, you, you don't know how these guys are going to react to the man. You know, you see it in all types of sports. It doesn't, it's not just this sport necessarily, but it's how he can, he can like 
ring the bell and get everyone to toe the line. You know, it's it's amazing what a, a unit of guys can do when they're they're fighting for one person. You know, if they believe in him, then I'm not saying we're gonna we're gonna go on a big run, but I'm, I, we might surprise some of the pundits out there on our record. You know, because everyone's got us having a clean sheet on reverse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think. And we need to see what kind of product he actually puts out there week one. You know, pre-season, yeah. I, I'm not overly keen on pre-season. I don't think it shows you much. Just a slow way of getting starters into, into game time. But let's see what week one brings, you know. That's all you can do. I am honestly don't have that much of an opinion on him until I see the product. And we don't get to see the product till week one. Yeah, we'll talk about some kind of the. Yeah, we'll talk about some yeah. of the product in a bit. But I think the um, he's, he's got a lot of new players certainly, but without going into specifics, Rene. But how how do you see him and the coaching staff? I don't think he's necessarily assembled, but he's he's been tasked to lead. How do you see the the task? And I think preseason probably this year will become more important than it has been in the past, just because of the the sheer number of players and by the time that 53-man roster gets selected, we're probably looking at somewhere around you know 60% turnover of the roster from last year, if not more. Um, do, you, do you think it's possible, Rene, to, to, to get them in a position where they're coherent week one? Because you saw how slow we started last year with a reduced off-season. Obviously, we get you know, quite controversially cancelled uh, mandatory mini-camp, or not so mandatory. But do you, do you think a new coaching staff in this year, still some COVID restrictions, not quite fully there, do you think they can piece it together and, and at least be competitive? To be honest, I don't have any expectation for this team this year. Uh, it will be um, part one of a, a minimum two year of rebuilding. Um, I think Kuli may be the best guy for this uh, rebuilding um, phase because he seems to be the um, a good motivator. Motivator. He um, seems to be the one who can um, hold everyone on track uh, and uh, hold everyone happy for this tough rebuild time. So, I think we all remember the good old Bill O'Brien days when he came in Saturday to make changes on the game plan. Kelly was working the whole week, um, or Cunell don't let. Weaver play his defense. So it's a good news to see a guy who is the CEO and let his coaches work. But I don't have much expectation for this season, to be honest. He doesn't necessarily do himself any favors, I think, at times, because I think he's almost too honest. He's almost too nice. He's not had a huge amount of training and, and experience in front of the media. So he almost says phrases that probably somebody media trained might you know, polish those answers and and some answers that you know that you might that you might not you might not necessarily give there. Um Pete, do you think he's almost his personality almost counts against them, do you think? Or it just shows that he's got a lack of that head coaching experience. And I think calling him a head coach is is probably doing a disservice to head coaches. Um I don't see him having as much impact on game planning. He's going to be more of a coach's management manager, if anything else, in my opinion. Um, but the comments that he has, he's been brought in because he had that um, interview 
where he was kind of talking a little bit too freely um, about the Deshaun situation and got pulled in quite quick, didn't he? And I think ever since then, he has been a little bit like, we're not going to talk about that, but we're going to be motivated and we're going to be happy and excited. And that that's that's what he's going on. He's got that just Jack Easterby energy about him at the minute. When I hear the interview with uh, Mark Vendem and John Harris, I got the feeling it was completely scripted for Cooley after his um, slip again at the Huddle and Flow podcast where he said, Deshaun is our quarterback right now. So maybe uh, Casario muzzled him a little bit uh, because he is not so experienced for media. Yeah, I think you're, I mean, you saw him not, I mean, I talked about that with Brandon Scott on here that he didn't talk at the golf day. Um, he did talk later on, but every time he does, he almost does himself or he undermines his, himself a little bit, I think. And I think that's just partly just due to his, he's, he's, you know, he's got a very nice personality and a very nice outlook. And um, he's a kind of salt of the earth type guy. He's not necessarily the hardened football coach that you'd expect for somebody who's been in the National Football League 27 years. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, I talked about this with somebody on Twitter today. Um, and it kind of goes into the point here. And I think that because, you know, that you're saying, Renee, you've not got any any expectations right now. And you said it's a two-year rebuild. And I think it could be longer than that. So, uh, would you be against us not taking a quarterback after the season and waiting some, point, some time to get the team in a position where you're ready to win, then draft a quarterback? Similar to kind of the position that the Chargers are maybe found themselves in. Um, where the team was pretty much there, just had a down year, got some injuries, and you're you're ready made uh, for a young quarterback to come be successful. Albeit, you know they need some t- <coughs> tweaks on the offensive line and whatnot. But w- would you guys, Graham, would you would you be adverse to holding and building a roster and waiting um, rather than bringing a quarterback when you're still transitioning into a new era? Um, yeah, you can you can hold off on getting the quarterback in, uh, but. The only problem with that is you've got to be really spot on with the talent you bring in, don't you? I, I, I and I mean like a, as a quarterback talent, because if you, if you've got your roster there, you can only keep that roster for so long. You know, I think we've seen that over the years. We, we spoke, we, we brushed on it earlier. You know, the defense was really good. I I thought our offense back in maybe six years ago was was good enough. But we didn't really have the throwing power there. And so you get this roster together and then you draft that quarterback. Is he going to be the guy? You know, you're staking a lot on it. Are you better to draft another quarterback and build the the roster around him? Is that not kind of like what the Colts did? You know, when they had Andrew Luck and then they brought in, they started building up the O-line. And I suppose now they've got a really good offensive line maybe they don't have the wide receivers there now but they certainly for me seem to go quarterback then build around the quarterback I think it depends on who's available if you've got a quarterback there um and say you'll pick one three whatever it is but if you've got a quarterback there and you say that's a 10-year starter that's someone that can play off games you don't pass up on that because potentially in another three years time you might have a better team and be able to to draft someone because there might not be a quarterback there for you you might be you know, scampering around and getting yourself a plain Gabbard or something like that. No, that's not worth it. So if there's a guy there and that's your guy, you take your guy. Yeah, Figure I think it out later. I probably didn't tee that one up too well, but I think a big part of it is that perhaps the 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 wily veteran, um, 11-year league pro 
in in Tyrod Taylor might just do enough to win you some games that pushes you out of the top three or four spots and maybe even a little bit more. Um, and then that kind of puts you in a position. So I think if he was to do that, um, Rene, do you think that's necessarily a bad thing for the longer term success of this? That's a good question. I, I'm not so sure with what the plan of Casari is. If he uh, wants to put this rebuild for two or more years and will be um, waiting for the white guy, uh, maybe it's where the next next year, like Pete says, or maybe they are thinking we um, look, we take a look at Mills and uh, want to check out if he can be a starter. Maybe he will get got a ch- this, his chance this year. Maybe he starts next year. We go uh, defense next draft and then uh, take a look at Mills and then look 2023, which quarterback is available. I'm not really sure which way we will go. Yeah, Pete, and Pete what, what, if you were to... What do you think of Casario and what do you think his plan? You know, you talked about him betting on multiple things earlier. What do you uh, see his plan being over the net? Or what do you think? He's got a five-year, six-year contract, whatever it is. Third highest paid GM in the league. What do you think he's thinking right now? Um, I'm thinking that he came into a situation where he probably wouldn't have signed on the dotted line if there was no Deshaun Watson there and he's walked into a bit of a bit of a shit show. Um, I think that we've historically had a team that's been very top-heavy with talent. Um, we haven't necessarily had much depth and if a starter's got injured, we've had subpar starters. So he's trying to build up the average of the team by having a overall average team um, and then try to build on it from there. So I think he's giving a lot of people shots. It is that competition, but you know, what, what else do you want to do in that situation? Trade all of our draft picks up to get in the back end of the first and get someone that may or may not work out. Like he's just taking shots in the dark at the moment with a really bad situation that no one should really want to walk into uh, if Deshaun's not here. Yeah, I think, Graham, do you think you agree with that, that perhaps Casario wouldn't have signed um, if if he didn't know in the full limits or the full, the full... If he had the full knowledge of everything that he knows now um, that was going to happen, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. but I, I, I spoke to somebody the other day and I, I believe quite firmly that they did know about Deshaun's situation to what extent I don't think we'll ever know but I do I'm pretty certain from something I spoke to that, that actually, they actually did know a lot more than perhaps you would have realised um, when they were making changes and and right even back to when he signed the contract but um, obviously people think they can manage things in certain ways it's definitely not turned out like that and I, I heard yesterday which I didn't fully appreciate actually that that the 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 settlement effectively is agreed between the two lawyers. It's just the details of that settlement and what each party has to do to sign off the settlement. Um, in the Deshaun case, is the bit that's sticking. Um, Deshaun wants it all to be public, um, which I thought was quite interesting. But taking the sort of Deshaun situation in Casario, how do you think he's he's set out to handle it, Grim? Well. I would agree with Pete. I don't think he would have maybe signed the, the contract knowing the full extent of how how bad this situation was going to get, you know, with your your franchise QB. Uh, saying that, I, I want to agree with Pete as well that he will take the best guy available in the draft. I think so. It doesn't matter who who it necessarily is and that, but he will take the best guy. That's I think that's how Nick's geared. The situation. You know, do you think 
I'll ask you that do you think that he that the team knew or they certainly knew about the so you think they knew about the situation off field, but do you think they really knew how unhappy he was like on field and uh, well I I believe he refused at one point to sign the contract. Um Okay. Uh, uh and I've heard Aaron Wilson say that as well. Um and I've heard that from somebody else as well that he was he he was very it was close it, it came why why it ran as long as it did right up to the season um was because he wanted assurances and I think some of the assurances that he was given when he signed um and look don't quote this as gospel and if anybody's listening and thinks otherwise yeah. let let me know but um he wanted some assurances about his his input into it I don't think it was the GM. Um, it was just the way things were communicated and how certain people had a role. And I, I've never heard definitively that Easterby um, was, you know, that was the big issue. I've never heard that definitively. So people believe that, and that's a perception. I don't know how how um, factual, in fact, that is. Um, when you piece two and two together, you might have thought Easterby was chasing him around, checking up what he was doing. You heard about Easterby contacting people a player's parents and about saying only only he's doing it because he cares and it all makes sense but um I've never had those bits pieced together firmly. Um but I, I, I it's pretty certain the team know knew you know well before Casario was in here um about this. I don't think they knew the extent. Um but Houston's a big city but it's it's like all big cities, you know you know the people in the know are the powerful ones. So I can't imagine um too many people didn't know um, yeah, about it, particularly head of security. These guys are all paid. They're all ex-police. They're all ex, you know, um, forces, etc. And they've all got links. But yeah, I think there's there's probably a lot more knowledge, and I think these things go on a lot more commonly than people probably like would like to admit or like to think they do. Yeah, well, did they not start like um, paying off as enablers or people you would maybe put down as an enabler? You know, like is it Amy? Uh, Polach or whatever. well, yeah, there was the head of PR. I think went and I don't, I don't know that. I mean, I can only speak. Yeah, she, she was quite yeah. close with him though, and yeah, I think so. She was with JJ as well, and I think, but that, that was a falling out with Jamie Roots, as far as I'm, I'm aware. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. about the the PR timing of the book and everything like that, and all those but, kind of stuff. So, but that person would have known a lot about his goings on. I think because I've heard that she stayed quite close to him. You know, when they were on away games and stuff. Like, I I think I even had a I, I managed to get in the same Uber as somebody that had picked him up earlier on in the day, and she right. was with him. Right. Yeah. You know? No. I th- I think she did take a big interest in star players because it was it was probably part of her job. But um, but yeah, I think there was that, and obviously there was uh, Mike Parsons, who was equipment manager, went in the off season as well. So and he was rumored also to be an enabler for him as well. Um, what do you think, Pete? I think that the Texans probably knew that something was going up. I don't think they knew the extreme of, of what it was. I think they knew Deshaun was unhappy, but they didn't know quite how unhappy. Um, and I, I kind of think that COVID has kind of made this whole situation a lot worse because we've all been on Twitter and we've all been, you know, I used to go on Twitter every once a week. I'm on Twitter every couple of hours now. Um, and I think the talking heads on Twitter have really blown this up a lot worse than it not the Deshaun cases, but like how unhappy he was and the whole situation. Um, I also think Amy was the one that leaked him doing the wanting the trade request as well, wasn't she? 
Well, yeah, I mean, you don't know. I mean, a lot of the things that we just talked about there, I didn't get that from Twitter. I try and I do read Twitter and I read Reddit and I read Facebook and try and stay on Instagram because that, that's a whole whole uh, incident itself. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's there's definitely some a lot of reports out there, I think. And yeah, the, the leaks mounted up when she left. I don't think that was that. And I think the, the, the Watson camp straight to ESPN um just kept throwing darts right through the playoffs right into the off season and it's we're in this position now where the last sort of month or so has been pretty quiet means there's some work going on behind the scenes well yeah as i said i think it's it's signed and sealed it's just the the details of it um is the thing i think the amount or you know i think because i mean don't get me wrong there was some i had some incredible sort of responses when this first came out um and I, I think, yeah, I, I think pe- people probably don't want to uh, understand or get their head around what it is like to be a pro athlete and some of the behaviours that you get on that go on. Um, it's just perhaps the reality of you know young men with a lot of money in their pocket um, at times. Not everybody, of course, um, but you know you just have to look at the, the Earl Thomas situation with his brother or whatever it might be. You know that's uh, they do leak through every so often and I think the fact that he's not in the league um, is a big reason why you know that story but mm. in, in terms of the, D, the Deshaun situation guys um, Rene where do you see it ending up what's your thoughts on it it seems the situation is very stuck at the moment um, if you if I have to give a guess where he's playing I would say he plays for the Broncos this year but um I'm not even sure if he plays this year in general. We don't know if there will come uh, a suspension from the league or if there are some legal consequences for him. Um, we don't know anything at the moment. The only thing I'm really sure is that he won't play for the Texans. Yeah, I think he'll never sign another contract, whether he's in the building at some point. I think the big the big issue here is that the league haven't interviewed him yet and the in the the move to the exempt list, the determination of the suspension from the the league's legal team all comes through that being concluded. Now if this is to run right through to the wire, the litigation doesn't start until after the Super Bowl. So, you know, if it's gonna to have to if, if it's uh let the legal process play out, and that's what the Texans keep saying, but I think that's Casario speak for we have no control over this. Um then, you know, he's definitely not going to play for anyone this year. Um, Pete, what do you think? What's your, what's your feeling on it? When do you, where, where does it end? Because I think we all want an end to this. There's just too many variables. Um, originally, I thought he would get suspended past the trade deadline. That's what I thought the original suspension would be. I'm umming and ahhing about that. I, I, I think that the, the league should have interviewed him by now if they were going to. Um, I'm guessing that they've had some conversations with some of the ladies that was reported. Um, I don't know what the context was that they got from that. If it was strong, then I would have expected him to be exempt or suspended. Um, if it wasn't, I'd expect to be in the position we are now. Um, so you can read into that what you want. Um, I think he doesn't get traded, um, and I think he plays for the Texans again. I don't know if he'll still be on the Texans roster next year. I think that's what we'd all like to see because I, I mean I, I'm of the opinion I've said that a long time a lot can change in four years um, that he's got I mean a lot's changed in in four months for Deshaun Graham would you well one I'm sure you'd like to see that but what's your what's your sort of sentiment and where it'll end up at this then this off season yeah 
yeah, I'd love I'd love to see him back. You know, there's no denying that he's he's just too good a talent not to to have on your roster. But I I generally can't see him playing for the Texans again. And if he does want a trade, and it's not going to ever work out, you know, because he he could opt out. You know, just I I just want to move on from it. Whatever whatever the outcome is. I just want the. I don't like these clouds hanging over a team too long, you know. Let's get it sorted. Let's sit down. Let's work it out, you know. Are you going? Are you going to turn up and play? No, you, you don't want to. Okay, let's just move on. We'll get what we can for him. If we can get anything, move on and and look at the future because it's just a, it's just you can lose a couple seasons. You know what 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 difference is another couple seasons? When you're when you're striving to win it all, yeah, that's right. And I think I don't think he endangers the chances. Him being here obviously improves us, but him not being here uh, versus the rest of the roster, I don't think makes a big difference. What do you think, Pete? Well, David Mulligetta said he wasn't going to hold out, so yeah. that means that we're going to have a trade. So it comes down to whether Casario thinks he can get fair value on a trade for the Sean before the start of the season. Um. I would argue that you're probably not with everything up in the air. Uh, but I I think for me and my fandom, if Deshaun's traded, that's pretty much the end of me with the Texans because that shows to me that Casario doesn't have full control over the roster because Casario, there's no way Casario would trade him unless there's something legal going on that he knows about after coming from the Patriots and knowing how important Tom was to that franchise. There's zero chance that he does it. So if he's traded, it's because Callum Janis won it. And if Callum Janis won it, Casario doesn't have control of the roster and I've got no faith in the franchise. Yeah, and I think the big reason why we're in this position is is the McNears have been too trusting. So I I, I I struggle to think that they would they would they would step in and make put their foot down on anything. Um the the influence of the wife, uh, Hannah always always um troubles me. Um I don't think she's good for any of us in terms of this football team being successful. But I I think you're right. I think I think you I think Casario will trade him, but you'll make sure he gets maximum value. And my 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 thought is I, he's he's a twenty five year old franchise passer. People will will sell the farm to get that. And based on the the length of tape he's got, I don't think his value changes now, and it does in a year's time. I think before the next draft is probably the best moment to trade him because then you can get three years worth of picks. I think if you trade him at some point. This off season, unless it's the Eagles um, who have got the most picks in the short term, they can offer us the most. They can offer more than the Broncos, um, and they can offer slightly more than Miami. Um, so unless it's them, I think that's the only for me. That's the only feasible option. Uh, but I've always retained whatever you get will not be enough. You know, his his uh, tape and his talent uh, brings up a value nobody can pay. Um, we have to see what this uh, legal stuff will do with his value. And um, I don't think anyone um, can take a guess which uh, what amount of picks you will get. Maybe it would be the best for the Sean to hold on, hold out this year to um, bring in this, his legal stuff to an end and then uh, try to get a new team next year. Uh, maybe it's uh, also the best for us so we can get... Um, Uh, a bad season, our draft picks for next year, and then um, start up a franchise with 
start yeah start of a franchise with uh, some picks for the the Sean trade next year. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's. I've always said I think three firsts and three seconds is like is, is the maximum effectively you can give. But it's. I think it's probably the only fair value, like Renee's saying there, that can actually give you a chance to replace. Um, because then that's you know six players. Okay, realistically, maybe four of those will work um, in the draft in terms of you know value contributors. Um, but it's it, it it's yeah. I think we just all want it done now, and I think we've it's gone on far too long, um, and it just drags on. But I think in terms of this year, in terms of this outlook, I'm of the opinion that it's not gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be bad whatever happens here. So let's uh, if we need to if we need to hold our nerve and, and take the pain for a year on the field as well as off. If that means a brighter future for seasons ahead, then I think that's a price worth paying. Yeah, to be honest, does everyone of us think this team will be so much better with Deshaun after seeing how bad we were with him when he has a career here? Um, I think the defense is so bad that we uh, will be um, we will get the top five pick even with Deshaun playing for us. So um, I. Um, don't know if it's um, if it might, uh, does at the short term uh, such uh, different if we have him or not. Long term, I would love to have him because he's uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But short term, the next one, two, three years, um, we will be bad even with Deshaun. Second and goal. talk about the defense and we'll look to try and uh, cover some of the, the front seven and who we think will make the roster. Um, but Graham, in terms of a broader outlook, how do you, this defense couldn't stop a nosebleed was was uh, was Anthony Weaver's phrase at a press conference and he was right, although he was the head of that unit. Um, and as, as Renee said earlier, I think there was some interference over Cornell, who's still in the building, but we've switched to this 4-3. Um, and as Pete put, I think, you know, he's laying the foundations for perhaps somebody like that, Eberflus. But do you think this defence, assuming the coaching's getting better, because I don't think it can get much worse on either side of the ball, do you think this defence can be better to make up for the, you know, distinct drop-off in offence that we're going to... I, th- I think they can improve. Um, I like some of the noises that I'm I'm seeing coming out, with how they're, they're tackling, like the positions on the defence. They're they're maybe simple. They're 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 dumbing it down. I think they're making it so simple in some respects. Uh, I've heard linebackers saying that they're getting all three positions at the linebacker position. You know they're they're being they're being moved around. I think it's so they're plug and play. You know that will go back to our our, our roster might be average, but it'll be average in every position, no matter who you put in. Because I felt sometimes last year, especially in the secondary, that we the drop off in talent was massive. We just we didn't have enough depth. We just weren't good enough. We we sometimes we actually played the least talented guys. Whether or not that was like a personnel issue, well, a personal issue with the personnel, I don't know. But you can only hope it gets better. It, it really can't drop much but worse, can it? Really? Yeah, and I, I don't think we've, I, I don't think we've necessarily addressed the secondary. Pete, I think so. I think I know we're going to focus here on the front seven, but 
I think it, it, it's interlinked in many ways. But if you if you if you've got guys that can't rush the passer, you can't ask anybody to cover for seven or eight seconds. But regardless of how good potentially some of this unit could be, I just don't see Pete for the life of me how the players that we've attained in this roster. Uh, whether it's Terence Mitchell or what have you, are going to make any substantial difference to make our pass coverage better than it was last season. Are we going to be watching Philip Gain and Vernon Hargrave start? Well, no, De- but no. Def- defense is better. <laughs> if your answer is no, that they're not going to be starting, then defense is going to be better. I, yeah. I think last year we had JJ Watt and then guys that probably wouldn't start on a lot of other rosters. We've got average to sub-average starters depth across the board the only position i'm particularly worried about is the one tech that's it yeah okay well that's a good place to start then i think pete is um i think you're right and i think that's the the biggest probably when i was writing out this roster if we start looking at the defensive tackle um spots first um so on this on this roster right now guys just for a refresher as we've got malik collins who signed over in free agency, early was let go by the Raiders. You got Jaleel Johnson, who was uh, previously at Minnesota. We've got Ross Blacklock, who's a who's a big linchpin player potentially, um, but but yet to see any good tape. We've got Brandon Dunn, who was who was trusted in his role, but when it when he was more on his plate last year, he didn't necessarily perform. We've got Big C, Alafuloi, um, undrafted free agent, um, who's come in and, and was actually pretty good at the end of last season. Roy Lopez, and we've also got you know Vincent Taylor, who some of his tape isn't great. Um, I don't see Pete any of those guys playing one. No, I, I keep banging the table for Damon Harrison. He's a, still a free agent, as far as I know. Yeah, no, I, I feel, feel a whole, yeah. I feel a whole lot better about this defense if we had someone like Damon Harrison coming in playing first two downs. Yeah, we had guys like Grease Pickett. You know, he was a long time at the at the Packers. Came in in twenty fourteen. We had Vince, Vince Wolfark, and obviously everybody saw, albeit not a true one tech, but you know, guys that it was it was the nose guard. Um, you know that we never really replaced, um, and I think everybody. Everybody who doesn't watch film certainly noticed the difference last year in the broadcast, the difference the DJ Reader made not being in this team um, and the team were happy to let go. Um, yeah, but McKinney played a big part in that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He big thumper to downhill linebacker, I think, made a big difference um, in, the, in, the, in the game. But McKinney looked short and he looked off the pace at the start of last year as well for the, the sort of three and a bit games that he played. Uh, before going out with his injury. Obviously, McKinney's not here anymore. Um, Renee, in terms of the two defensive tackle spots, who do you think would you say is your day one starter, sort of first and second down? In the best case, no, no one who's on the roster because we don't have any really big guys to stop the run. I, um, the biggest hope for me was that the one defense would be a little bit better because of a, um, a functional scheme. But if you don't have anyone in the middle who can stay with ground, uh, it could be a disaster at the start of a season like last year. Uh, um, if we have, I have to choose someone from the roster, I would say uh, Jaleel Johnson would start. Maybe um, we can bring... Roy Lopez uh, with, back with a few more pawns 
so he can be the long-term starter, but day one, Jaleel Johnson would be the starter for me. And out on three, of course, uh, was Blacklock. Um, he has the uh, most potential in the middle, and he has to show uh, why he was a second-round pick last year. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you think of on a three-year window, apart from Titus Howard, uh, Ross Blacklock's the most premium selection that we've had. Um, Graham, do you think Ross Blacklock's got a future at three-tech in this in this four-man front? Uh, I think he does. You know, his, his flashes were limited, but I believe he, he does um, just... He just needs some more. He just needs coached up. When when I'm watching games, I, I watch games different to you guys. You know, you really study the tape. But I, I I just get a feel for players, and I think Ross does have what it takes. It's just pardon the pun, lo- unlocking that at the next level for him. You know, for me personally, but I, I think Ross Blacklock. He looks like he's been he's been working out. Um. His training's been going well. So let's see how he comes back into this team. I, I think he can lock down the position, but as for who he'll be lining up with, I, I, I couldn't pick a name. Yeah, I, and I think I think for me, Pete, I mean, my, my thought is I assume they take four on the roster, and I know this is very early before the pads have got on, um, but I think if you look at it, I th- for me, I think it's Blacklock will be there because they'll have to give him a... A chance based on his draft slot. You can't invest. There's, there's, there's so many. There's so few players, young players on the rookie wage scale that could potentially have upside and contribute. So you think that gives Blacklock one of the four spots? I think Jaleel Johnson, Malik Collins was probably one of the biggest guaranteed money comes in. If he can give show his Dallas form that he played with, um, he can do. He can rush a bit, and he's he's stout against the run. Um, Jaleel Johnson in there as well, and then I think it's between. Brandon Dunn, can he get back to where he was? Um, Big Z um, and Vincent Taylor to compete for that fourth spot, I think, assuming they keep four. And I think Roy Lopez um, is probably a practice squad type of guy right now. I think Malik Collins is going to be starting day one, three, two. Yeah. I think I don't think uh, Blackwell will, because Blackwell's moved from that three tech role over to five tech in the in the three four front, and he's going to have to change back. Malik Collins has played the three tech for a while now. I don't think he was particularly used well um, at the Raiders from the snippets that I've seen. So, yeah, I think he's. I think Collins will be a day one starter at three tech. I, I just don't know who will be at one tech. Yeah, I think Brandon Dunn. Yeah, I think Dunn's potentially that that you know might might start in there and. Uh, Julio Johns has maybe got the potential to play, uh, you know, as a rotational piece to try and relieve Billy Collins. I would think. Um, who would be your four, Pete? If you if you if you're picking right now based on your knowledge of them, what am I starting for? Or your start or your or your four defensive tackles that you carry on the on the roster? Uh Blacklock, Collins, Johnson, and then probably Dunn. Rene, would you agree with that? No, I would uh, leave Dan out and um, take Lopez or maybe uh, Lufo. Hey, yeah. Dan has, has the biggest um, cap number um, or has a big cap number which can be saved. So if he um, doesn't have a really great camp, um, he will be out, I think. 
Yeah, I think he's probably the the easiest money we can save. I think based on the I know I, I think the Texans have re Casario's done a good job of that, but he's, he's in in terms of spending money, but he's also re re upped people's contracts, and I, I suppose that's my big fear this year. You got so many players that have had all their guarantees up front and are just on small nominal game checks considering the size of their salary for the year. They may may, may well mail it in at some point um, through this offseason. But done, I think, um, yeah, if his play is not up to where it has been, you know, in 2019, where he was actually pretty good, um, you know, you may as well keep a full of, a full of high or even somebody like Vincent Taylor on small money. And I think you save about $3 million on the cap. And I think Casario spent a lot of money this offseason. Uh, but there will be a time where he needs to start clawing it back and, and, and building up some salary cap space for two years' time uh, when you're maybe in a position to go and, and fill needs. Uh, Graham, in terms of uh, Charles Amenehu, nobody mentioned him in there in the defensive tackle. Um, he's an interesting player. He's probably, he really was our most productive player last year in terms of pressures. What sort of role do you think he'll play in this defense? Do you think it'll be, it might, might well be in the middle on, on passing downs, but do you think predominantly he'll be an edge player on the front four and under Lovey Smith? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I like Charles. Um, him and Jacob Martin. I think Jacob Martin will see a lot more this year as well. But definitely Charles who I think he'll be the guy that gets us the sack numbers this year. Um, he's been working very hard, I know. Um, that's a guy I follow quite closely on all types of socials, and yeah, he's been putting in the graft. Like he he wants to he wants to to take the next step. Um, yeah, I mean, I had the pleasure of meeting Chuck as his teammates call him um, last year or well, twenty nineteen. <laughs> twenty twenty was a write off yeah. for everybody, but <laughs> um, yeah, he's a great he's a great guy. I think um, yeah. he definitely searches for his name on social media, but Honey Badger esque. Because um, every clip I've ever put out, he's 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 noted it. Um, but uh, he, I th- I think Pete, what do you think? Of, I mean, who do you think he's got the position? I just remember a, cl- a clip I put out on the on Twitter feed, and he he rushed around the edge uh, against one of the Jacksonville line uh, tackles at the start of the season, and he flashes so much good tape, but he's also so inconsistent, particularly against the run. I think that it depends how much he's developed because we've all seen him be putting in work on the off-season. I think it's between um, him and Jenkins as to who's going to start opposite Lawson. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and I think Jordan Jenkins has been noted by the coaching staff. Bobby King has picked him up. I think, yeah, I think obviously Shaq Lawson, you acquire him in a trade he's, and he's got a reasonable cap at sort of around the $9, $10 million mark a year. He's probably your number one edge rusher in this front, Rene. Rene, do you see um, Jenkins and and uh, and Amenehu being the sort of top three rushers, or is there somebody else in there that you might think uh, might develop into a player for for the Texans this year? No, if Lawson, Jenkins, and Amenehu uh, as our top three rushers, um, behind them there's a fight for the last two spots. Um, I can. S- I see Mercedes in because of his contract. Yeah. Um, it's bad to have this decision making because of money, not because of talent. Um, and when I see Jonathan Greenard, so for me, uh, I hope uh, Texans Ford won't hear this. Um, I don't see Jacob Martin on this roster this year. Yeah, and you might you might be right. I think because he's he is short. Well, he, he he's not got the archetypal 
body frame. Um, and I know he's been asked to put on weight. And I know Whitney Merciless has asked to lose weight, uh, oddly, um, to go and play on the edge this year to try and find some of the athleticism back. But um, but in, in terms of this roster, guys, I think, yeah, I think we'd probably all agree that Merciless will, will make the roster just because you, you kind of have to. You've already given him the money pretty much this year to restructure his contract. This is assuming all things being well. This will be his last year unless he comes back on a on a small vet minimum. Um, I suppose it's a question: Do they take six at the position, or do they just take five? And is there a roster composition where Greenard, um, Jordan Jenkins, and Jacob Martin are all on this roster? What do you think, Pete? I don't know how you don't keep Martin on this roster because he brings a skill set that you don't really have elsewhere. You don't have that really explosive bendy type of pass rusher you know you've got charles that wins with length you've got guys that win with power um and technique but you don't have anyone that has that explosion so i don't know how you don't have him as at least that kind of designated pass rush type specialist that just comes in on third downs um i i think you'd have to have to keep him on here um it just really sucks that we're keeping Merck. yeah i think so and i nobody's mentioned uh Demarcus Walker, Derek Rivers. I don't think I don't see a I don't see an outcome where they are. Um, if just say for example, guys, we're only keeping five um, of the top five we've mentioned: Lawson, Amenehu, Merciless, Greenard, Jenkins, and Jacob Martin. If they if they only keep five of those six, who do you think's the odd man out, Renee? Jacob Martin. Pete. Um, I want to say Merciless, but I don't think it will be. Um, I really don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think it'll be Greenard. Graham? No, I want to say Merciless as well, but yeah. I, I, I'm the same as Pete. I'm not sure. Is is Greenard still not a bit of an experiment? Moving him up? Well, nobody saw him, so we don't know. He's in the shadows, but... Uh... Yeah, I think I, I yeah, and look, I think you've got to remember as well. I think be, we're in for some shocks on this roster as well because Casario's not tied to anyone, um, and he's certainly not. He's certainly not. He's, he's he's more than willing to to make the moves he needs to to uh, to, to to try and change things up a little bit. Um, and I, would the dead cap hit phase him entirely? Would you think it'd be worth it? Look, I think Merciless could get cut at some point this season, uh, but I think the contract value may just force their hand a little bit to make to to keep them um, on this roll. Watson pressure off the edge. Watson survives it and then checks down to Jones. Jones inside the 40, inside the 30, inside the 20, to the 10-yard line. Taiwan Jones to Sean Watson. To the... in, ter- in terms of the uh, in, in, ter- in terms of the schedule highlights and guys, what do you uh, do you have any have any uh, games that you've got circled in your calendar uh, from Germany, uh, Rene? I know there was talk of games being in Germany um, at some point uh, from Albert Breed, and I think you know that will be a, a reality um, as the games in London are reducing down to two now a year. But um, is there any games on this on this schedule that you've got circled when when you saw it come out? I would like to see the Forty Niners game because they picked at our pick at three and take a guy we should have, we could have taken if we don't um, sell the farm for Tanzel. Um, and maybe we would have 
won't be uh, looking so sad to the future if we um, have a Trey Lance here and won't um, uh, and, and have a, a long-term answer for the time after Deshaun Watson. And Graham, I know you're probably going to go to pretty much every game this year if they'll let you in. Um, try and make up for last year. Was there any games you had, you had circled on the schedule when you when it came out or are we looking forward to the draft pretty quickly? Uh, yeah, looking at it, you know, I'd, I'd love to see the San Francisco game. Um, that, I, I don't know, I just have my eyes on that. But I'm, I'm interested about the Panthers game on the Thursday, you know, or only like midweek game. That That's one I've got circled to go to. So I'm just hoping that goes ahead. I, I I just I really I just what I just want to get over every game that I'm available to go over to that's the ones I'm circling. Doesn't matter who we're playing, you know. I've got Titans game, Colts. You know, I love those divisional ones. Um, so much needle in them. I think it'll be interesting seeing how we compare in the division this time after running so close in so many division games last year. You know, because I've been on some other podcasts and they were all talking about how the Texans were so bad. But I was like, well, really, you only beat us by one score pretty much in every game. So we couldn't have been that bad. So I want to see if the how big the drop-off is, if anything, that we've got this season. Yeah, and I think the 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 divisional games will be tight whether the the offensive drop off Pete will get us back in there but is there any games that you've got circled you think well one um that are, are big moments in the season or even games that we can just simply win um for me week one with Jacksonville because that might potentially be the only game I watch this year depending on what happens um I think the other one I'll probably watch will be um Chargers December twenty sixth because if I'm not watching the Texans I'll watch Chargers. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think there's a there's a couple of games in there that, that do scare you, uh, Seattle, LA Rams, um, and a couple others that could you know depending on how things pan out could be interesting. But I think I think the Thursday night one I think is the best if you're going to go to a game, uh, that's going to be the one because there's a huge difference these days and. And in a, in a prime time game versus a, a twelve country club kind of field that some of them have had in the last few years when when people have have kind of lost their way a bit. Um, in terms of season predictions, uh, Rene, what do you what do you see the record filing up at? Oh man, um, I would probably say three and fourteen, but please don't ask me which games we will won. We will win because I don't know. It's uh, it's a long season, so there will be uh, some teams where will underperform. So you have uh, every time you have a chance to win some games. Even the Jets won a few games last year, so I hope we will win a few. Um, but what about three fourteen? Will be so my suggestion. Pete, what do you think? Three and fourteen. Depends what happens with Deshaun, doesn't it? Assuming Deshaun's not there, I think. I think that's where we're good. If Deshaun's not there, I I think two and fifteen. Graham, you top that? Yeah, I'm going four, four wins. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, I mean, there's a lot to be decided, and you, I think the coaching element will improve this this roster. I think when you beat you like Pete said, the Jacksonville game week one, uh, Thursday night football, Carolina possibly, and I think the one thing that nobody knows, and the biggest variable probably in the division is how good uh, Carson Vence is at uh, at Indianapolis. I think, and how well can he can he get back to anything like he he, he used to be um, when you know he was MVP level, but he's been you know, a good number of years removed from that right now. Um, and then I think Tennessee might just have too much for us. Um, and then you, you've always got you've always got the Jags, who could be, you know, who could come into their own this year. But um, is that where you see it ending up, Graham? Uh, yeah, I can I can see the Jags. I can see us topping the Jags twice. Um, but one of the games that really actually interests me is the Cardinals game. How how that game's going to pan out, you know, we'll get to see, we'll get to see personally JJ coming back the other way. And on the level of how much better is he going to be in that position, playing with a fresh team, I'm actually, I'm actually interested just for that experiment to see how he, how, how much it's going to be coming back at us, you know, how motivated he's going to be. Um, are we going to get to see vintage JJ playing against us? So that actually might be one of the, the, the games to watch, even if it turns into a blood blood fest, but I think it'll be interesting. What what will be tougher, Renee? Do you think it'll be watching Jadavian Clowney if healthy um and and productive week two? Um because if you think of the roster, he should probably still well be here. Um if he'd accepted that that uh, deal that that Chris Olsen offered his agent, Buzz Cooks, at the Greenbrier a couple of off-seasons ago. He's never earned anywhere near the reported 18, 19 million that they offered him APY. Um, do you think it'll be worth watching Clowney, who could still be your best defensive player on the roster, regardless of what happened with JJ? Um, or do you, or do you, or will it be what? And what did you make of the comments that uh, that Clowney made last week about um, he's been looking for his whole career, he's been looking for eight years uh, to play with a player like Miles Garrett, um, I have to say I missed this comment of uh, Clowney. Um, but yeah, he basically he basically said he, he, that um, they said, "What's it like to play?" or "What do you make of playing with an athlete like Miles Garrett?" And he said, "Well, I've been waiting for eight years to to play with one on on defense anyway." Yeah, the Bonds uh, will be an interesting franchise this year. Uh, it's a division up to grab. Because I don't think Pittsburgh will do anything again like this, um, like the last year. So um, I could see the Bonds uh, win the division. Um, will be a really interesting matchup to see uh, Clowney against Tadis Howard in um, or Tansel in Week One. So it's, uh, or Cannon, <laughs> yeah, or Cannon. I hope we will see Howard. Um, yeah. I think um, the bounce will be the best station for Clowney because he can play this role he played with us a long time. He's uh, this uh, great run defender and um, a man who sheds blocks and um, take up the double teams to give a guy like Miles, Jack, Miles Garrett um, the freedom to rush, rush the passer. So it could be a really productive duo. Um, and I'm 
Yeah. And you got Olivia Vernon too. I'm glad to, um, that he found a place where he can be successful. I wish him the best, but not in week two, of course. Yeah. Pete, just before we get out of here, who do you, what's going to be worse watching Clowney? Watching what, or even is it maybe even watching Watson by the time we travel to Miami before the bye? I don't think any of them are good. Um, I think Clowney's comments came more off the back that I think what freelanced a lot of the yeah. time and put the defense like opened up some holes to run on and and, and kind of put the defense at a bad position. Um, whereas Garrett tends to just beat his man um, and play in the confines of the defense. So I think that was more referencing that he, he had to pick up a lot of stuff off the back end of like covering for what. Um, so I think that's where the comments come from. You know what? If, if I, I don't want to watch Deshaun in another jersey. Yeah. So if it's Deshaun in another jersey, if that's the option or there's anything else, then it's always going to be Deshaun in another jersey. Yeah, I think so. I think it's... Um... I think we've I've said for a long time we've not hit rock bottom yet, and I think when you probably see that or that trade gets uh, gets signed, um, that might be the rock bottom. But it, at least it'll be a chance for us to move on. It probably won't be happening too quickly this season, but hopefully we've kind of got a bit of array of countries, array of opinions, and we look like we've we've sorted out at least the at least the front four. Um, before we get out here, guys. I'll give you final last words. Pete, you want to go first? Yeah, I, I was just going to say that if we do trade to Sean, I just hope that he's out for the whole season and he gets just traded next yeah. year. Um, there's there's nothing for us to gain from trading him this yeah. year. I don't think his value is where it should be. Um, I think he either needs it needs to get suspended or come back and, and, and play. Um, but I just don't think there's a trade to be had this year. Yeah, I hope you're right, but I suppose it, it, it elongates the pain. Rene, final words? I hope the season won't be too long for us. I hope we uh, can see some glimpses of potential and um, soon talk about the next year's draft with first-round picks of the Houston Texans. It will be a novelty. Graham, is there any positives you can... You can, or one thing you wanna, you one thing you wanna see out of this season um, before the the tension will inevitably turn at the draft. It was the one thing you want to take at this season that we can look forward to in some way, and perhaps maybe even build upon for future years. I, I, generally, I generally want to see that uh, fighting spirit. I, I don't care if we're getting hammered in games, as long as we're not giving up completely. You know, everyone's playing for the position this year. I think for the next coming seasons, so. Yeah, just don't lie down. There's nothing worse than being at a game and seeing your team lie down. So I just I, I want to see this product. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna shit on the Texans too much. Um, it is what it is. That's what being a fan's about. Sometimes it's rough. Sometimes it's good. It's all it's all cyclical. That's what I keep telling myself. Pete, are you? Is there is there anything, Pete, that can that can uh, that can change your mind before? Or are you, uh, you seem to be probably at more boiling point than, than perhaps the rest of us. I think I've just seen this for so long that I, I'm just at that that last little bit. And I think that the everything that's happening with Deshaun has just pushed me to the end where it's just put my whole fandom in question. And I, I chose to be a Texans fan, so I can unchoose to be a Texans fan, if that makes sense. Um, but the one thing I wanted to say, 
big congratulations to Jamie Roots, new CEO of the uh, Houston Dynamo. So that's that's a bit of good news to end on, isn't oh, it? Oh, right. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. I think, uh, yeah, I think he quite openly told reporters that he would still be here if it wasn't for Jack Easterby, but the... <laughs> um, yeah, I think yeah, I think a lot of change is happening, and I think more change will happen. I've been really surprised actually that Casario hasn't ripped up the whole front office and started again. Um, but he seems to be more process driven than people driven, I think, and he he's going to trust people to run his processes that he thinks. But yeah, there's a lot more change um, to come. Uh, but hopefully, it's just one week and one hour that'll help you get through this off season, whatever the hell happens. I don't think any of us truly know. Um, it's been an interesting few months and hopefully we'll keep coming back with these. We've got another four of these lined up um, from people all over the globe, uh, like tonight, um, UK and Germany specific. But we're going to go further afield in the next couple of weeks. I'm really looking forward to having those people on again. But thanks to all the guys who gave up an hour of their evening to come and talk about this team who give you not much in return. Um, but the, as you said, there's something that keeps you coming back in some way or another. So thanks again for listening. Um, if you've not checked out, we've got some articles up there. I don't think much has changed this off-season. Um, they're pretty much pertinent to all of the off-season uh, pieces on podcasttexans.com. If you've not already checked them out, please subscribe. Give us a review um, on whatever platform you get your podcast on. Uh, please share anywhere you can on social media. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again next week.